welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Search, Ponder, and Pray, a um, podcast where we strive to follow the Come Follow Me and to study the scriptures and do our best to apply it to our daily lives. Um, if you get the chance today, share this with a friend. Um, not necessarily because I need more of an audience, but because it would probably be good for you and your friend to discuss the scriptures. It's always good to have those kind of discussions and learn from other people and from those around you um, what they have seen as they've been studying the Come Follow Me and how it can how it's blessed their lives. Um, I encourage you to have those discussions. I know in our current world it's very easy for us to just kind of seclude ourselves off and bury our heads in the internet and we forget to see those around us. Um, if you have the chance Make sure and talk to your friends and family about what we're studying today so that um, they can also benefit from what you've learned. Um, a lot of times I feel like the, the Lord will provide us with uh, teachings and with understandings so that we can come closer to him and so that we can also be able to share that truth and knowledge and that light with our fellow men. Um, and remember what we talked about last time, that oftentimes sharing the gospel in that way can bring up bring about repentance and forgiveness of sin. Um, but before we get too far into it, let's start with an opening prayer. Um, all right, let's do this. Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for this new day. We thank Thee for the opportunities that we have. We're thankful for this life that we get to live. We're thankful for the trials that come into our lives that purify us and strengthen us that we might come closer to Thee. We thank Thee for the path that we are on developing a personal relationship with Thee, Father. Help us to continue to make that central to our lives. Help us to see what it is that Thou wouldst have us learn and be open to Thy Spirit. Help us to be humble and to be obedient. And please forgive us of our sins. And we pray for these things ever so humbly in the name of Thy Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Well, today we are in uh, Matthew chapter 10. Um, and uh, Matthew chapter 9 and 10 kind of cover the majority of the topics um, in, <clears throat> in this week's um, lesson. There are, uh, you know, Luke 9 and Mark 5. They do kind of go a different route. Uh, and they do, but they, they cover essentially the same topics. Um, I will try and, and make sure we have time to talk about those ones as well from a different points of view because they are instructive. Um, but so, so far this, these two will be kind of the majority, the meat and potatoes of it. And they kind of give us the, the rounded picture. So let's start in chapter 10. Uh, so in verse one, and when he called unto him, his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. All right, so the, the Lord is giving them power and authority. Um, and if we look into Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 50, or section 50, verse 32, it says, And it shall be given unto you power over that spirit, and you shall proclaim against that spirit with a loud voice that is not, that is not of God. So, it's specifically, they are specifically given power right up front to push out the evil from the world to start to begin you know 
cleaning out the house, basically, and making room for the Spirit of the Lord to return. That, you know, Satan has been here. Satan has um, has got a hold on the hearts of men. And he, it's our responsibility as priesthood holders to ensure that we are protecting our families and our friends and our communities and our communities from the evils of the world. We have been given the power to light the way and to to get the darkness out of people's lives, to lighten up the room in a sense. Now, one thing we have to make sure that we don't convolute is that we are not that light. We might be holders of that light, but we are not that light. That light is the Lord and the Lord's power, and it is from God. So, he, he gave his disciples power. All right. Now, the names of these twelve, the names of the twelve apostles are these. The first, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. We've got two of the brothers, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and, and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus, and Lebaeus, Lebaeus, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. All right, so let's take a look at what the New Testament pseudonym has to say. So it says, Matthew 10 uh, records the calling of the twelve apostles and the Lord's instructions to them. The word apostle means one sent forth. The title also implies that the person sent forth has authority and a message to proclaim. In these latter days, the Lord has declared that apostles are sent, to be, sent forth to be special witnesses in the, of the name of Christ in all the world. Elder L. Tom Perry of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles explained that modern apostles have the same assignment as apostles in the New Testament times. He said, An apostle today continues to be one sent forth. The conditions we face are different from those of the early brethren <clears throat> as we make our journeys to fulfill our assignment. Our manner of travel to all corners of the earth is very different from that of the early brethren. However, our assignment remains the same. <clears throat> Excuse me. However, our assignment remains the same as that which was given by the Savior as he instructed his called his called twelve to go as he instructed his called twelve to go therefore and teach all nations. After declaring that that latter day apostles are men who have been witnesses of the Lord's divinity, and whose voices have been and will be raised in testimony of his reality, President Gordon B. Hinckley further described the work of the apostles. Their one chief concern must be the advancement of the work of God on the earth. They must be concerned with the welfare of our Father's children, both with those within the church and those out of the church. They must do all they, that they can to give comfort to those who mourn, to give strength to those who are weak, to give encouragement to those who falter, to befriend the friendless, to nurture the destitute, to bless the sick, to bear witness, to not be sorry, not out of belief, but out of certain knowledge of the Son of God, their friend and master, whose servants they are. So that's one thing that gets pointed to sometimes, and it's one thing that we, you know, we have to be reminded sometimes, is that 
um, like he's like President Hinckley says here, it's not we're doing these things not out of belief, but out of a certain knowledge of the Son of God. They the apostles know better than anyone. They have a special witness of Jesus Christ. And they have been called and asked to go forth. Not to sit at home. Not to study in, in, in a quiet chambers and discover the, the, the inner workings and the theological mechanisms of the gospel. But to go forth and to proclaim. Seems to somewhat be the the theme for the week is that going out and proclaiming the gospel is what the Lord loves. The Lord loves work. He loves hard work. He loves it when we go out and we're out, you know, out doing good good works. And we're doing what we can to bless the lives of those around us. To raise up the weary, to bring about salvation. Let's jump back. Verse 6. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. All right, so lost. So, just talking about the missionary work there. The lost sheep of the house of Israel. As ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And if you go into the footnote, it says, has come. So, and a lot of times we feel like, oh, we're waiting for the kingdom of heaven to come. We're waiting for it to come. And in part, it has arrived. In, in this sense here, in the New Testament, in the, in, right here when the Lord is saying, go out and preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is come, it's come in part because the king has is there. He, he is there. He is setting up his kingdom. He is gathering the nations. He is building it up. It's now. It's not, well, we'll kind of sit on our haunches and wait until it comes around. It's now. It's, it's happening now. And I think that's probably a good a, a, a part of the reason why President Nelson is saying that the most important thing that you can be involved in is in the the gathering of Israel, either on this side of the veil or the other. The building of the kingdom is now. It's happening right now. We have the opportunity to, to be part of something that is eternally important. Not just, oh, I want to build up my estate. I want to build up my friend's estate. I want to make sure that I have a lasting name. I once read a quote by Napoleon Bonaparte where he talked about um, that many kingdoms had come and gone, and even his kingdom would rise and fall. But there was one kingdom who would never fall, and that was the kingdom of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. His kingdom will outlast all others. It will outlast all other nations. By tying ourselves to him, by laboring for that kingdom, in the place where we are, we build up the kingdom of God in ways that are eternally meaningful, not to get glory for ourselves, but to get glory for God, to glorify God, and to return the glory where it belongs, to bring things back to their proper order. Right now, the world is in, is in a great amount of confusion. There is 
a lot of unrest, a lot of, there, there's hardly any peace. People are struggling and trying to find ways to find meaning in life, to feel like they're helping other people. But a lot of times reaching out in the ways that we've been reaching out have been very ineffective. The best way that we can help others is to dig our heels deep into the gospel soil. Really stretch out our hand and reach out to God and find that personal relationship with Him. And part of the way that we can do that is by serving others, by sharing the gospel. Jesus sent forth. The twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go out. Go. And here he says not to go to the Gentiles or into any city. He will direct us as to where we should go. He knows. He's well aware. And sometimes, perhaps, he will let us flounder for a while so that we will we will get our feet wet, that we will start to develop that testimony with him because sometimes we need to be humbled. I learned that myself on my own missionary journey, that I needed to be more humble. It wasn't about me preaching the gospel. That's not what it was about. We have to be humble enough to be willing to let the Spirit teach through us, to remove ourselves from the equation, and let that power that He has given us operate fully. Priestcraft is one thing that will kill that operation faster than anything. And Elder Bednar has a, has, talks quite a bit about priestcraft, and it's something that I would suggest you look into. We have to make sure that we are not doing these things to get gain for ourselves. That we're not campaigning out there to be like, well, if I do this, and they're gonna, people will see how great I am, and then maybe I'll get to be a, um, maybe maybe they'll start to think about me, call me for bishop. Be stand, stand firm, where you're at. All right, let's see where we're at. Um, verse 7. Oh, we read verse 7. Now we're on verse 8. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received. Freely give. Freely give. The Lord has told us that we have, you know, we have received We have received forgiveness. We have received these blessings of the Lord. Are we now going to say, well, I don't think that they deserve it. I don't think that they, if they're coming to you and they're seeking it and with a humbled heart, they have as much claim on the blessings of God as you do. Let the Lord deal with that. This is where it comes back to judge righteous judgments. By their fruits, you, ye shall know them. In Isaiah 55, verse 1, it says, Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. The Lord has told us, I am the fount of living waters. If you are thirsty, if you are seeking that peace, come to me and you will receive of that peace. But you have to make that effort. You have to come to me. And as the Lord's disciples, are we out trying to spread that peace? 
are we out trying to spread that knowledge? That though that there are plenty of our friends and our family around us that are seeking that peace and know not where to find it because they are they have been blinded by the world in some form or fashion. We have the opportunity to bless their lives. Are we doing that? Are we blessing the lives of our friends and family? The Lord is mighty and powerful, but he will not take away our opportunity to grow and our opportunity to gain the blessings of preaching the gospel to our friends and family. But there will come a time when the time will be past for us to do our works. And it very well might be that our friends and family will see that we had the opportunity to give them that peace on the earth. And how sad would it be for them to turn to us and say, Why didn't you say something? You had it all the time. And yeah, I know I was hard to talk to, but why didn't you say something? That will be a sorrowful day. Or it can be a joyous day to know that you stand there together with your brothers and sisters, as like as Alma and, and when he, he and Ammon and the brother and the sons of Mosiah, when they met up together and they were so overjoyed that after so many years, <clears throat> excuse me, that after so many years, they were still strong in the faith. And they were overjoyed to see that they were all out doing good works and were strong in the power of the Lord. Verse 9, provide neither gold nor silver, nor brass, nor brass in your purses, nor scrip for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, nor, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. So if we go to worthy, uh, foot, so it's footnote B in verse 10, it takes us to 1 Corinthians 9.14. It says, even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Go to meat. So if we go to meat, it takes us to Luke 10, verse 7, where, where he kind of says the same thing. And it says, And in the same house remain, eating and drinking, such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. <clears throat> so the Lord sending them out without saying, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to take. Don't worry about bringing extra coats or any of those kind of things. You're going to go to these places and you're going to preach the gospel. And these people are going to take care of you. You'll be taken care of. Don't worry. And he says here, go not from house to house. You're not going to be beggars. You're not going to be begging for food or for, for different things. That's not the point of this. I don't want you to be a burden upon um, the people. So if we jump to uh, the New Testament student manual, without purse or scrip, uh, in the Savior's time, a purse carried money, while a scrip was a larger bag used to carry food and other supplies. The Savior instructed his apostles that they were not to worry about food, clothing, lodging, or other temporal needs. They were to rely on the Lord and the mercies of others for their sustenance. This was in harmony with the hospitality and social customs of the day. Later in Luke 22, verses 35 through 36, Jesus revoked this command to rely on the hospitality of the people, perhaps because the apostles 
would soon carry the gospel to the Gentile nations that did not have the same standards of hospitality, and because they would face opposition from the Jews as they went out into the world. All right, so we see that that uh, was a was a customs and a uh, cultural thing of the time. We are not, and we're not to re, we're not to become these these vagabonds. That well, the Lord said that I need to study the scriptures, and so I'm not going to have a job. I'm going to spend all my day just studying the scriptures, so that then I can become the, the greatest theologian there ever was, and then I can just I can just do that, and I'll just rely on other people because that that's something that the lord said we should do that's not what he that's not what he meant in this scenario he was talking to his 12 disciples and here the new testament student the new the student manual points out that that was based off of customs where when they would go to someone's house it was customary for those people to say well you're in my home you're a guest in my home i will provide you with why don't we eat something together? And while we eat, why don't you talk to us? I know that that's something that I I enjoy. I enjoy, I enjoy talking with people over food. I'm I'm kind of a food person. I like to eat. I like I like to enjoy food while and discussion. It's it's they go they go well together, especially if it's not too hearty of a meal. But you know it's something that's um it's tasty. Some snacks, some charcuterie, I guess you could say. Um, but it's enjoyable and. This time it was it was a custom that was well that was well carried through, and so they could rely on it. But um, as it talks about later on, it's revoked because the Lord doesn't want them to be a burden on the people. It's not the people's responsibility to take care of them, as priesthood holders, as the fathers and the heads of households, as men in the world. It is our responsibility to provide, preside, and protect. To provide. That's one of our biggest roles, is to provide. And if we're shrugging that, then we're shrugging off our responsibilities. And that, is, that will not bring about blessings, just as much as it is the responsibility of the women, the wives, the, the mothers in our lives, our sisters, that is their responsibility to nurture the children, to raise the children, to take care of things at home to be a support and a comfort, to, 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 to jointly lead the family with their husband. Not in submission or second st standing to, but in unity in all things. There must be that unity. And I think that's one thing that is somewhat of a living testimony when you see an apostle visit someplace Almost 100% of the time, as far as I know, their wives come with them. The apostle doesn't go out and just, well, I'm going to go out and preach the gospel, and you just sit at home and, you know, uh, put hang curtains and dust the counters and things like that. No, they go together because together they are strong in the Lord. They are one. They have been married and they are they are. Bound, they are sealed together before the Lord, by the Lord, by the Lord's power. And what the Lord brings together, let not man bring asunder. They are brought together. All right, before we get too far off track, uh, let's jump back uh, into 11. And into whatsoever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy. 
and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into an, into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. If it not, if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, not hear your words, when ye depart, ye sh out of that house, shake off the dust of your feet. <clears throat> and verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in, in the day of judgment than for that city. All right, let's jump over to the student, the student manual. This is something that can be interesting. We'll say that. So in uh, verse 14, shake off the dust of your feet. Elder James E. Talmadge provided this insight about the Savior's instructions regarding shaking off the dust of one's feet. To ceremonially shake the dust from one's feet as a testimony against another was understood by the Jews to symbolize a cessation of fellowship and a renunciation of all responsibility for consequences that might follow. It came, it came, it became an ordinance of accusation. Sorry, it became an ordinance of accusation and testimony by the Lord's instruction to his apostles, as cited in Matthew ten fourteen. In in the current dispensation, the Lord has similarly directed his authorized servants to so testify against those who willfully and maliciously oppose the truth when authoritatively when authoritatively presented. Because of its serious nature, however, this should never be done except under the direction of the First Presidency and the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles. All right. So that's pretty well, pretty well laid out there by Elder Talmadge, that this isn't something that's just lightly done. It's, just, it's not something that you just do because you think it's funny. It's not something that you do in the same way, in the same way that we don't mock the sacrament that we don't, you know, just just pretend like we're taking the sacrament or, you know, mess around with that because, oh, it's just funny to just whatever. No, this is considered a priesthood, what do you say, an ordinance, an ordinance of accusation and testimony by the Lord's instruction. It's not something that should be done lightly. And it's not something that um, should be taken lightly because the what the Lord says is the end result is quite harsh. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. <clears throat> is that something that we're willing to, to lightly call down on someone? Is that something that we're willing to to afflict someone with? I hope not. Not lightly, anyways. All right, uh, verse 16. Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And this is this is a this is a verse that I find I, I really, really like the way the Lord puts this. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. The Lord doesn't want us to be naive. He doesn't want us to be um these I'm trying to think of the word I want to use. These naive, hapless, helpless creatures just out there in the world, just I just love 
I just love life and I love everything and I'm going to just, you know, everything's great in the world. Everything's wonderful. No, he wants us to be wise as serpents. To be, and the serpents oftentimes are known as the most cunning, the most wise of all of all the beasts of the field, as laid out in Genesis. Um, in, in Jacob 6, 12, Oh, be wise. What can I say more? Alma 18, 22. Now Ammon being wise, yet harmless, um, in, Merle, in Mormon chapter 9, verse 28, be wise in the days of your probation. Strip yourselves of un uncleanness. Ask not that you may consume it on your lust, but ask with a firmness unshaken, that ye will yield to no temptation, but that ye will serve the true and living God. Doctrine and Covenants, section 111, verse 11. That should be easy to remember. <laughs> Therefore, be as wise as serpents, and yet without sin, and I will order all things for your good, as fast as ye are able to receive them. Amen. Man, that right there, that verse. Just Doctrine and Covenants, one eleven, verse 11. Therefore, be as wise as serpents, and yet without sin, and I will order all things for your good, as fast as ye are able to receive them. That, that seems like a pretty straightforward promise from the Lord. So let's, so the student manual talks a little bit about this. Wise as serpents. When the Savior sent his disciples out to preach the gospel, he told them to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. In modern times, the Savior gave similar counsel to his disciples, declaring, Be as wise as serpents and yet without sin. Both accounts teach that the Savior's disciples should combine wisdom with innocence and purity. The Joseph Smith translation emphasizes the importance of being a wise servant to the Master. Be ye therefore wise servants and as harmless as doves. The Lord doesn't want us to just go out haplessly. He knows that we are we've been blessed with intellects. We've been blessed as agents unto ourselves. So that we can therefore act in wisdom. Now that doesn't mean that we are supposed to just well, I know things, so I'm going to do, I, I'm going to command my, my own destiny. I'm going to go out, I'm going to do my own thing, and I've got this. Be therefore wise as serpents, and yet without sin. Without sin is the hard part to get. You have to balance it. There has to be that balance in all things. You have to have the balance of the wisdom and the cunning of the serpent. But then you also have to rely and pull back as a dove. You have to rely on the Lord. Because if you are just cunning, too often you might be tempted to strike and to bite and to use that cunning and that wit in ways that it should not be used. And then that will bring about our own demise. In verse 17, But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when, ye, when, but when they deliver you up, take no thought how, you, how, how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. This is something the Lord has harped on and talked about over and over and over again. Take no thought for what ye shall say. In verse 20, he talks about it a little bit more. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh. The Lord wants us to get out of the way. We are the vessel. 
We need to live righteously so that the Spirit of God can burn within our hearts. And then when we get to a position, we get to a spot where it is time to testify. We must have the courage to open our mouths and the Lord will fill our mouths with the words of the gospel that are requisite for those who are ready to hear. If we think that we're smart enough to know exactly what our friends and family need to hear and that we know what they need, we will get in our own way and we will stumble and fall flat. And our words will not have the same power that they could be, that they could have, if they were the Lord's words, if we allowed the Lord to speak through us. And this is not something that's very easy. You have to have done the preparation in both study and in practice. And then when you're brought to that moment, you have to have the wisdom and the sinlessness to be able to humbly bow before the Lord and say, I give God the glory. I'm not here to wow you. I'm not here to show off, to show how great I am with my knowledge of the gospel. I'm here to preach the gospel in hopes that it will bring you closer to Christ because I love the Lord. I love the Lord and I want you to meet him. My heart is full of compassion for you. And I want you to have the same relationship that I have with him because he wants that. And because he wants that, I want that. And because I love you, I want that. That is the position we must be in, and it is not one that is easy to achieve. But if we seek it, and we seek it diligently, the Lord will <clears throat> excuse me, the Lord will bless us with that. All right. Verse twenty one. And the brother shall deliver up <clears throat> goodness, I'm sorry. And the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father the child, and the child shall raise up against their parents, and cause them to be put to death. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel, till the Son of Man come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciples it is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of the household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. What ye hear in the ear, that preach ye on the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are able to destroy or kill the soul but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. But ye are, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear ye not, therefore, for ye are more value, you, you are of more value than many sparrows. Whosoever shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. 
Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foes shall be they of his household, of his own household. And he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross, oh, sorry, verse 39, he that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whosoever shall give to drink one of these little cup, one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. The Lord has spoken. The Lord has asked us to be his disciples, to teach and to, to preach the gospel, to stand as witnesses. And he lays it out firmly in these last few verses. Don't expect it to be easy. Don't expect it to be easy at all. If the master had a hard time, what do you think they will do to his servants? Who, have le who, who by nature are less respected than the master. Do you think that you are better than the master? Do you think you could do it better than the master? If you do, then perhaps there's something else we need to work on. <laughs> Expect it. Just go in knowing full well that you're going to have persecution. Go in no knowing full well that the gospel is not going to always bring about perfect peace and just bring full kumbaya to families. The Lord tells us he's not come to bring peace. He's, he's bringing a sword. That's not to say that the gospel doesn't bring peace. What it's saying is that the Lord understands that oftentimes when someone sees what they have to do and they feel the Spirit of the Lord preach firmly in their hearts and they can see that, no, I'm sorry, but I can't partake in these things anymore. I can't go out and party. I can't do do the things of the world anymore. I've seen the light, and if I come with you to do it, I will be rejecting the light and the truth that has been given to me, and I can't do that. That will cause hard feelings, and the Lord understands that. He expects that, but what he's telling us is that the peace we will receive will be from him. We will have that. We have to be willing to, to put ourselves in harm's way, to take up our cross, and to follow after him. 
we hear that often. We hear the, the, the phrase, take up thy cross, you know, take up your cross or yoke yourself with the Lord. The Lord's not saying, you know, I'm carrying this cross. Why don't you hop aboard and I'll carry you? No, he's saying, I've got my cross to bear. I've already borne my cross, literally, and I have carried you. Now it's your turn to pick up your cross and to do your work. The Lord has laid out our labors before each of us, and it's our responsibility to make sure that we are fulfilling that role. In the end here, he says, he talks about receiving someone based on who they are, or if you're receiving them because of what they speak. And then if you receive someone based on who they are, I think the thing that comes to my mind is that in the beginning, right off the bat, we need to make sure that we are not going out and preaching because we're so cool, because we're so amazing. Because if someone listens to us, if someone listens to us because, oh, so-and-so, they, um, they've written all these books and they've got all these different things and so they're, they're very knowledgeable. I should listen to them. Well, then they've received their reward because they, they're putting their faith in that person, not because of the word's sake. They're not receiving as much blessing as they could be because the priestcraft is getting in the way. We have to be careful that we're not allowing the priestcrafts to enter into our lives. But in the end, I say unto you, And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. We go to lose his reward. In Doctrine and Covenants 84, verse 90, it says, And he who feeds you, or clothes you, or gives you money, shall in no wise lose his reward. When we help to bring about and help further the cause of the gospel and the building up of the kingdom, we have secured our reward for a little bit longer. The Lord is asking us all to give all that we have to get to really put our whole minds and souls and bodies and everything we have into building up the kingdom of God. It is the most important thing on the earth at this time. We have been given this opportunity. And will we take it? Or will we let this opportunity pass us by? The Lord has offered us amazing blessings. I urge you to study this out on your own, to find that relationship with the Lord and to work on it, to really come closer to Him and I promise you, amazing things will happen in your life. It will get hard. It will get very hard. The Lord has laid that out very plainly here, that it will get hard, that we'll be persecuted, that we'll have issues, that it'll cause dissensions in the family, that we'll have all these different things. But if we hold true, if we continue to strive forward, following the gospel, what is laid out in the scriptures, what is laid out by the prophets, what has been laid down, to us, if we will pick it up and take it and go forward with it, with a fullness of heart and dedication and full diligence, fearing nothing, we have been promised all that the Father hath. And there is nothing more that can be 
obtained or given. I testify that these things are true, and I plead that we will all push forward and reach that point in our lives. And I say these things ever so humbly, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.